people just like you have taken the brave step to do this thing we call work differently. They tell their self-unlimited story to inspire and encourage you. Another story begins now. Today I have the joyful opportunity to muse on creativity with my good friend Danny. Welcome Danny. Hey Helen, great to be here and chat because you know we all love a little bit of a wander in our thoughts and our ideas. We do. Creativity. <laughs> we do, we do and then maybe even our conversation in itself could be an example of how creativity emerges while we're also talking about creativity. So Danny, I'm going to kick off with a very basic question. Are you a creative person? Oh, oh my gosh, if you could see my face, just imagine it now. I go in this point of pain when I get asked that. And I think it comes back to, you know, all these sometimes limiting beliefs you have or things you don't even recognize about yourself because I suppose creativity is really about being in the moment. So you're not even aware of what you're doing. You're kind of just doing it and seeing what's new and what shows. And ages back, it was always that, that little internal dialogue we have in our heads is like, I'm not really creative. I loved playing. I loved making stuff up. As a kid, I used to spend a lot of time on my own. So these were the like 70s and the 80s where you didn't have devices to occupy your time at every living, breathing minute. I didn't have adults that spent time with me either. Everyone else was busy doing their own stuff. So I would be like out in the garden, making up games, trying to entertain myself and a lot of playtime and then also a lot of time just you know I learnt music so I spent a lot of time playing the piano or even just trying to do calligraphy and draw you know and they're all creative pursuits and I would not say that I was excellent at any of them but that comes back to another point right Helen that I would have this idea that I'm not creative enough I'm not good enough at this to be an artist to do my year 10 graphics class you know I could do stuff but it was pretty crap (laughs) well it wasn't probably terribly crap in actual fact but it was I was comparing myself with others and that wasn't necessarily useful at the time so I think though you did have this idea that in in your head creativity is about the things people think I don't paint I don't draw and I remember someone saying that to me in an interview maybe five or so years ago and I was there like are you creative and I just kind of went into stunned rabbit caught in headlights moment thinking I know this is a design thinking business but I'm just like what am I how am I going to respond to this they're creative people And I just said to her, I really don't know. I said, people tell me I am, but I just don't know how you define it. I I can't put the words together. So over the years, there's been a number of things that have come to my mind that creativity is maybe that there is a person who's, I can't remember her name right now, but it's this idea that, you know, you're connecting ideas and pieces of information and it's the connecting the dots And for me, that's important, particularly when we're talking about, you know, the work we do and the work I've done throughout most of my life. It's been connecting the dots. How can we do that differently? What's the most appropriate thing for this time? And there's little questions that sit at the back that I don't consciously think of, but they're that, oh, how might I move things around? And what happens if I do this? And and that comes to that sense of creativity. And like we both read this morning, we're talking about um, an article that talked about, you know, do you feel... comfortable enough to take those risks and to have a play and most of the time I certainly do because there's there's nothing wrong with going and having a crack and you know mucking around because you never know what can happen and there's no commitment to it if it doesn't go anywhere it doesn't go anywhere so I really do love that joining the dots and connecting things differently and from a consulting point of view or a coaching point of view there was always this model that was shown to me you've got data you know, you're getting information, ideas, perceptions, whatever it is coming in. And then people will go to analysis and that's the first leap they make. And then you'll see reports and they're full of analysis, right? So the thing that's always of value and is the difference that really makes the difference is when you are able to then expand it onto insights. And that's where creativity comes in. And it's really useful being able to take all that stuff and move from data analysis to insights. 
And that's an interesting point to leap off because I think some people would think, oh, creativity, that's when people are arty or doing something art-like. So when you've got a bunch of data, where is the art in that? And I have been a person at different times who has had a set of data, who is playing with it, be it in an Excel spreadsheet or qualitative data and a whole lot of text. And there's a sense for me that I am actually creating with that data. I'm going to be taking these things, and to your point about connection, and mixing them in different ways. There's a kind of question like, what have I got to play with here? And I maybe have a sense of, I get to play with this. And then in playing with this, something will be revealed or brought forth that didn't exist before. That may be a pattern. That may be an insight. That may be something where I'm like, wow, I didn't know that. Which might actually even be a question. And sometimes I think creativity can be, I've now got a question that I didn't know I had that can fire my curiosity to go and find something or find a source of something and bring it together. And so I hope people who are starting to listen to this conversation can see that creativity can exist in many places. And I think sometimes it can have a synonym where people, oh, Helen, you're talking about problem solving. And I think, well, I think you can be creative in your problem solving. And I think there's something for me about you are creative if you're bringing in intuition, if you're bringing in an attitude of play, because I think you can problem solve in a very linear fashion. And maybe by picking up the guide and the instructions of what somebody has done in the past, I would argue maybe that's not creative. And I was thinking about what you said about the things that you did in your youth that maybe were markers of creativity. So I was a person who sewed. Now I learned to sew at a very early age because my mother sewed our clothes and I got a sewing machine when I was 15 and people looked and were amazed at the things I made. And I didn't necessarily think of myself as creative. Yes, I was creating clothes, but I was following a pattern. Somebody had already decided this is what it will look like. They had taken the work to decide what the pattern was. Maybe I was choosing the fabric that would go with that. And I did have a kind of image in my mind. When I make this item, I can imagine myself and see myself wearing this in this circumstance, which doesn't exist right now. So maybe there was an act of creating and seeing myself in a new way when I had this item of clothing. But there was also an element where I didn't think of myself as creative in that I was leading a path somebody had trod before. So I ask you, Danny, is there something here in this about a uniqueness or a bringing forth of something, whether it's from me, it's the uniqueness or it's unique in the world? What's your thoughts? A couple of things that are pretty interesting there that I kind of laugh at too is sometimes we do have a process right and there's steps along the way and if we follow those that's great but if you and I were both following that sewing pattern and cutting it the same way I can guarantee you we would have very different products <laughs> you tell different products they kind of might look the same but they're not going to be and I don't think of how many times I think I sew and I like to pretend I know what to do and then I find that this didn't quite happen so I get a little bit creative and I go, okay, what about if I bring that in and I just sew that and then all of a sudden I've got something completely separate to what it started off with and I've had a few mistakes so I've had to cut up the side. And I think one of the things that allows people to possibly be creative in their job or the work they're doing, like you or I, we're both facilitators and we both uh, consult to people and I do coaching in the space with people and I go, there is all this, skill build that sits there so that when we're in the place space to go we don't have to think oh okay what's the next step how do I go and we might pull something else and we don't think of that pulling whatever it is out it just happens because we're in the moment and we've got some base skills to be able to do that and that's a little bit like people who play tennis like our expert athletes or you know martial artists anyone who does something for a living they would have done a lot of building the small skills slowly step by step working through them so that they become just part of their toolkit and they're able to move and create something in the moment you know we have creative tennis 
players and responses to play and strategy, they're not following a script. They're not doing the step-by-step, but they've got this skill base. So, so that allows them to be creative. So maybe that suggests that creativity is a kind of meta skill. It's that you will have skills in other areas that might be a technical area and it might be in some crafts that are like sewing, for example. But a person who's a designer who we would probably point at and go, yeah, they're a creative person. As a designer, they've probably got many hours or many years or many opportunities where they were already pulling material and fabrics and things together, maybe following a process and passions that somebody had created from knowledge in the past, which gave them those good base skills and a good grounding. But then there was a point where something of themselves started to come forth because of what they saw or how they saw the world or what combination they could bring because of their life experience and other skills that it elevates it to something different that maybe somebody else hasn't seen. Because creativity also gets thrown around with words like innovation and entrepreneurship as if something has to be created that did not exist before and then you know you're a creative person. It depends what the outcome is on your creativity. It it may be something new, new for you in the moment. You might be creating something a number of times. Like every time I cook, a lot of the times I don't even look at a recipe anymore, but I can't do that because if I hadn't spent years and years of years following recipes, learning what the basic spices were, learning how they went together and they didn't. And sometimes there is that point of, oh, what happens if I do this? I'll just have a go. And they're disasters. I've had plenty of disasters in the kitchen, right? (laughs) Or even in a facilitation mode, you're like, what am I going to do now? Um, Things have shifted. And you'll try something. It doesn't quite go somewhere. And you go, okay, well, what happens if I do something else? And you sort of keep getting up and, again, having a play. So... Is it about creating something new? You're just creating something different in the situation. It might be that you're doing something arty. It might be that you're designing a program. It might be that you're writing a report. Like everyone goes, oh my God, writing a report, really boring, but not necessarily. And I Mm. I will follow a structure, right? But there's different structures that I'll put together depending on what the report is and who it's for. And then there's all the creative stuff that sits in the middle is, how do you pull all those little bits together? How do you know which bits stay, which bits don't, which bits go together? That is the creative bit. And that is like the recipe that I can't tell people because mm. it goes from like those artists that have got, you know, practiced stuff and got skill and they've tried things out. And then all of a sudden there's this innate, feels like an innate, but it's probably just that, you know, thing within themselves as they know certain things will go together or they'll, they'll, certain fabrics and they'll go oh I'll create something whole and new like it's intuition it is a little bit of that and it's but it's what happens when you take yourself into a different state of being right and operating so you know your nervous system is in a different place and I think you know we've had these conversations before you get in the car sometimes you'll just you know sit back and it's a bit of James Taylor and you're driving through and you're no longer thinking you're out of your cognitive space but you still are using it. You're just using it differently. If you're really intense and focused, you may not be able to create things. You know, it's a whole different resource system within us, I think. Yeah. A report is a great one to go with because to your point before, if we'd both followed the same sewing pattern, we might have ended up with a different outfit. If you and I both had the same set of data, we would probably write a different report. And some of that might be, and there's an interesting con paradigm conundrum here in terms of where is this creativity actually about design because each of us would be thinking with our design orientation which we strongly have who is this report for in what context is this report going to be read so we would use those as some kind of maybe creative constraints so it would be okay this report is for a busy executive we cannot make this report longer than three or four pages and we might have had a brief that gave us some of those constraints And it's for a person at a senior level who wants strategic type insights, doesn't want the minutiae and want the detail and the data. 
And then there's an element where you and I might go, and we know this executive board and we want to really connect with them in a human way. So we're going to put a bit of levity in here or maybe a story or an example. And so all of that would result in here is report A that Danny created. Here is report B that Helen created. And I'm using the word created intentionally. And here is report C that somebody else created. And each of those are creations. And there might be a consideration of, well, were they good creations, which partly gets to the kind of notion like beauty, that it's in the eye of the beholder. Who were we serving? And whether that was a report or whether that was a situation we were both facilitating with a group of people, we may be working from what's seen as the same set of materials, but there's something about how we individually what we saw in those materials to utilize, what we saw of the person or the group that we were serving and how we chose to bring those things together to connect the dots, to use your language, because the connections, not just connections in the sense of stirring the pot to find insights, but connections to bring parts together to present somebody a whole thing together rather than little pieces. If I was to use your analogy about cooking, a meal is a whole thing or a dish is a whole thing. It's not like here's a bunch of ingredients lined up on the bench. It's we connected those ingredients through choices of how much we put in of those ingredients in which order and whether it was baked or roasted, which resulted in this end dish. How does that sit with you? I think that's pretty much spot on. And there's so much variability. And and so I always go to, well, it depends. It's, you know, this, and it's like you said, there's so much. And we will all do something different because our situation, our context, our experience, our joining the dots in our neurological and, if you're say, energy space, but that, that stuff happens different to everyone and that's the uniqueness of our own brain and body systems which is wonderful I mean you also get this sense sometimes that people you know I think we're talking about uh, Elizabeth Gilbert certain things will repattern out in in teams and in organizations and in communities that you'll get similarities right and some themes that come up because that's part of it too it's same same so creativity is not necessarily super different but there'll be an expression that's different which takes me to that beautiful TED talk by Ethan Hawke which you shared with me and I just remember going oh my gosh this is beautiful this is so true which comes to that point of when we were talking about earlier when I was saying I don't know if I'm creative I don't know what this is and or I'm not creatively good enough he he does have that line where to be creative, you need to know yourself and that it's a creative expression of who you are and he talks about his brother who is in the military and for him leadership is his creative expression, which makes complete sense to me. It may not to others, but to me because when you are a leader, you're having to take in lots of information, perceptions, experience, lots of data, right? And you're not just analysing it, you're kind of making sense of it and then doing something with it you know, and your response and your interaction with people. And that's the conversation, right? Being creative is not sitting there and listening and thinking this is the outcome I want. So I'm steering everyone to my outcome. It's that space of seeing what comes up when we have the conversation. There's no expectations. We're just seeing what happens. I thought it was interesting that you said it was a beautiful video because when I first watched it, I had a kind of visceral reaction similarly to you. And all I was watching was a video on YouTube with this guy who's an actor talking. But there was something about there's beauty in the words and the constructs and the stories that he's bringing together that even though he's a creative person as an actor, the choice of what he said and or even with the editor, what they chose to edit in or out, it had it was a creation in itself that moved me. And I think there's something that when I think of people like artists, sometimes people think, oh, you are creative if you have moved people in some way. If you brought them to a, you know, I looked at a beautiful painting and I went, oh, or I heard a beautiful piece of music and like it got me, you know, in here. And I think there's something of the work that people can do in the world that that same emotive response can happen to the report they wrote, to the leadership style they wrote, to the way they ran a meeting. 
but we don't seem to legitimize that you can go, wow, what that person did then, don't understand it. Like I might stand in front of a painting and go, have no idea how you chose the brush strokes or the color, but I don't care because there's something about this painting has moved me in some way and I can't even necessarily articulate it. But you take that to a world of work and business and people kind of think, no, 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 you need to break down for me why you chose that color, why you chose that paint, why you chose that scene, how you put that together. And in fact, actually, can you, before we give you the money to buy the paints, you need to tell us what the result's going to be and guarantee us that we're going to get a result that we want. Crazy, eh? Yeah. <laughs> we want certainty, right? And we don't want to have risks, which it's one of those things I think in life is life is full of risk. You're not always going to know what the outcome is. I think sometimes having a process, like I was always told, knowing the process and knowing that you've had tools and ways of moving towards an outcome is great, but it's the adaptability in how you move through it or what happens when you're in that space, which comes through to sometimes creativity. Obviously, this isn't about the outcome and what you deliver at the end of the day. It's a way to energize yourself. It brings you joy and it allows your whole brain and body to be doing something different, which is really restful and sometimes quite nurturing. Other times it's really inspiring and energizing. It is the gear shift that helps us enjoy life and experience the world it does fill the soul people um doesn't matter who you are you could be creating anything that that's usually a place where people enjoy when they feel safe when they're happy to just sit back and they have created and carved out time to do so it makes me think of the paradoxes that uh, Mahali talks about in his book creativity that there is this tension between what looks like polar opposites that creative people do and his insights were based on research of many people in many fields not just air quote creative fields and some of those insights were that a person when they are in the state of creativity and I'll say that rather than are a creative person that in the state of creativity there is both the condition of being quiet and being by yourself and creating space for things to emerge there's also the state of being productive and following through and as Seth Godin would say, shipping. And that's the idea that if you are going to make something, if you're making it just purely for yourself, you might just call that play. If you're wanting to create in the sense of I want to bring something to the world that's as Elizabeth Gilbert calls it, leave my handprint on the world then you want to bring it in to front of people. Now, that might be a single person. It might be a group of person. So you need to be able to produce, to have something to then present to people and maybe presents the wrong verb, but to bring to people, to offer to people and to actually be with people such that it can be seen or utilized. And there will be many people who feel, oh, this notion of that's going to be used or utilized, that's, that's too putting too much pressure on it. And I think, well, that really depends, I guess, what creative artifact we're talking about. You know, if it's a piece of art, its use might be, I just look at it. Whereas if what I was creating was a potato peeler that could be used by people who have arthritis, then there's a, maybe a creative act in that in terms of what I created, but it doesn't have quite the same sense of beauty attached to it. But something around that notion of a combination of a process I might use to create and something that comes out at the other end. And to your point, maybe it's about I am loose and open to what might come out at the end. I don't have a thought beforehand. I know exactly what it is. So I'm going to be like a robot and follow the steps because many articles now are saying that people in the workplace or the workforce, the key skill they need is creativity. And I think many people think, oh, so do I need to go sign up to an art class? And I think it can be useful to kind of counterpoint it. If the world is going to have a lot of artificial intelligence, robot-like behavior going on, yeah. creativity is the thing that we do as humans that those things cannot do, that can't do on a pre-programmed schedule. 
Yeah. Well, they're, they're training them to create, right, and to learn as well. Or to make, but maybe there's a difference there between create is a human thing, make is a, a something more, I don't know, more pedestrian or predictable or to manufacture. Maybe it's manufacturer versus create. Well, and, and there is that, that's an interesting thing. Just before when you were talking, I was like, it's this connection of dreaming and doing. And we'll do that and we'll move in that way very differently depending on what's the purpose of it, right? People can paint a picture using the paint by numbers thing, right? And that can work particularly well. And then others will just go, I'm in the moment, I'll see what happens and I'll just scribble and draw and whatever. So there's no real thought to it. It's just this moment in space of getting out of your head and being in that space and for me that's a very therapeutic thing I I just want to and that's you're right it's a joining the dots it's changing the gears in the brain like I'll go for a run and I'm in this different um, rhythm and that's when your peripheral is softened you're focused totally on how your body is moving through the space and then all of a sudden the ideas happen. Now that doesn't happen to everyone who, there's a lot of people who run with headphones and I used to be one of those and I chose not to because I noticed that when I could get into my body it was and pay attention to what I was doing very softly, but I would get in the zone way better, way quicker. And it was really restful and re- renewing for me afterwards, you know. It also meant I had far less injuries as well because I was able to sort of tune in in a different way and tune out. Tuning in and tuning out at the same time, it's like you're doing both at once really weirdly. So so that's great too. And it's different heart rates and heart patterns that get you there, but it's part of that. It's where, yeah, then all of a sudden I do have those ideas. Making a cup of tea, I'll get ideas. Or I won't. I'll just rest the head. <laughs> well, it seems there's an element here where sometimes creativity, you use the word therapeutic, you may be doing it with the intention of just this is kind of like personal therapy, self-care for me, some kind of expression of self, which might be just I'm just stretching that kind of muscle, whatever that might be, metaphorically or literally, and nothing needs to end as a result or be out there in the world. And there might be another side of creativity, which is there is a need for me to make something and leave something beyond myself that can maybe be shared with others across space and across time. And so I would invite people who are listening to think, as is very evident in this conversation, there are many facets to what this thing is called creativity. And that if you're struggling with it thinking, I'm not sure if I am or I aren't, Find a definition that works for yourself. Take some of these ideas that Danny and I have been riffing on here and find some that kind of work for you. And so with that, I'd like to invite you, Danny. We've shared a few things with that I would say about how to get into that creative zone. And so you had said, for example, like it was running or being in a car. Um, I can share one thing that we were talking about before we got on this call for me. Let's give it a fancy name, hydrotherapy, otherwise known as getting in the shower. There's almost times in the morning where I think, don't get in the shower straight away because my brain's going to go, right, thank you. Um, You've given me this time. Boom, 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 boom. I'm going to give you all these ideas. And then I think I should have brought pen and paper into the bathroom because my day's ready to go. Or conversely, sometimes I like to have a shower at the end of the day in the very Japanese style to get my body to go to bed. And it's like, brain, I'm sorry. This was not one of those moments where you get to think about what happened during the day and connect the dots and give me new ideas. This was the going to bed shower. So what are the kinds of things for you, Danny, that help you get in a creative zone, both generally as a sort of a standing state of being, but maybe specifically for certain situations? For me, there's, there's a number of things that move me into a creative space, and it usually starts with getting up and moving, moving away from whatever it is I'm doing and just bringing it into a different notch. What helps me get into a creative zone is also sometimes having a conversation with someone, just hearing them out, asking questions, going and reading something completely different. And for me, that is all part of resting the brain and also getting it to rewire or fire differently. 
So for me, interaction with people really does lift my creativity as well. I But it's, it's everyone goes, oh, yeah, but that's because you're an extrovert. So I go, oh, no, no, no. I have those tendencies. It's like you've got to be careful with the box. Like, you know, what does this mean and what does it do and how does it fit in? Because it does rejuvenate me to be around others and share thoughts in certain contexts and certain times and with certain people. So it's not all the time. And I can't have too much of it because it wears me out too, right? <laughs> and I like also quiet and that quiet space and that finding another, you know, motion and movement where I'm not focused on anything or anyone and I'm just in the zone, that is so not interactive at all. And it's highly renewing from a creativity perspective because then it's like, the things can come in. So there's a number of practices, going for a walk, sometimes just having a conversation with someone. Swimming is one that, you know, 20 minutes of being in the pool, doing laps, and that's all you're doing and you're focusing on your breathing and your movement through the water. That afterwards livens me up so much and you come out and you see things completely differently. It's like you're all of a sudden paying attention to whole new patterns because your brain's had a rest from doing the work (laughs) that I'm normally doing to having a nice little mini spa. So that's another thing as well. And then cooking and then using my hands. So I know we live in this wonderful digital world and I've got the tech, I've got an iPad, I've got a laptop, I've got a phone, all that sort of stuff. Though I love pen and paper and I love doing things with my hands. And I assume that there is some interaction between our hands have so much sensory um, nerve endings and that feeds into our nervous system and our brain as well. It sends data. So uh, I can appreciate that there is something wonderful happening in that space as well. I think that notion of using your hands, that's resonating quite strongly with me. I, in 2008, was coming out of the back of a very large enterprise project that had been quite tiring. And I had this strong sense of my brain and my heart have been used an awful lot. I need something physical, spatial, tactical as a kind of counterbalance. And so I gave myself a three-month sabbatical, having negotiated that with my partner and what that meant for lifestyle and cost, etc. And in that time, I learned to scuba dive. I learned to sculpt. I learned to ballroom dance. And these were not things because, oh, I'm looking for a new hobby. There was something for me about putting myself in a very unfamiliar environment. So, yes, I had swum before, but having gear on me and being under the sea, looking at the environment was suddenly a whole new environment to consider that in some ways my brain went in like, what? And kind of had to develop new synapses for, okay, there's a world underwater. There's a whole lot of protocols in terms of buddy diving and the signals and the gear. And it wasn't in the sense of like, look at me, I'm being a creative artist. But there was a sense of, whoa, look at me, I'm doing something that I've never done before taking a bit of a risk and I'm surviving and I'm meeting these people and I'm being exposed to this whole other world of scuba diving that has its own world and language and protocols that I've never been in. And so for me, one of those key things as a kind of background to creative thing is to put myself in situations that are new And just see what I see and see what might come of it. See what I didn't know that I didn't know before. I mean, you might call that experimentation. But for me, it has this way of opening my eyes, literally. And there's a great quote. I can't remember who it's by. uh, That the voyage of discovery is actually not going to new lands. It's seeing the current landscape with new eyes, something like that. And so for me, there's a sense of, okay, so even in the pandemic, can I take myself to a place where I haven't been for a while and that my eyes might actually have to connect with a different horizon. My senses might get a different smell. I might hear different sounds. And there's an element where I can't make the direct connection of how that's going to help my creativity, but there's a kind of trust that I have in that these things are more dare I say, data points that am either maybe stimulating something about my sensory body or my intellectual body or playing around with the synapses in my brain. 
So that's a key one for me. And I mentioned before getting in the shower. And also, too, there are times where I like to just sit down with a blank piece of paper and a pen and I kind of doodle and it might be doodling to draw. And this is in no way going to be an art piece that anybody's going to see. Or it might be sort of a mind mapping where there's this word playing around in my head or this idea. And so I'll write some thoughts down about it. And I don't have a sense of, okay, I have to write an article about that or a blog post. It's like, okay, put those thoughts down, move on. And I actually have many article or blog posts that are draft-like sitting in a box digitally then possibly never going to see the light of day. And that's another part for me about that creative zone is when I create things, they all don't have to be finished, but do have a place to put them somewhere because I may pick up on them later on or I may go, oh, that caught my eye. I'm not quite sure why it caught my eye. Sometimes it's just a photograph of, oh, look at that person doing something out there in the world. Oh, I'll take that photograph and I put it in my collection. And then sometimes I'll come back and go, oh, what's in my collection around, maybe it's marketing ideas. And I go, oh, what if I took that idea and that idea and something I just heard today and mash it up? So for me, there's a kind of curiosity of, being open to different sources, whether that is through social media. Sometimes it's watching a movie on television. Maybe it's hearing a song. And it's instead of just thinking, oh, that's just peripheral stuff. That's for entertainment. It's like a seed gets planted and then somehow some germination happens or cross-fertilization. And those seeds may have the potential to become something. I think so. And it's this it's the seed sowing and collecting stuff. And I do that too. Or sometimes I'll just say, okay, I'm just going to open a couple of books at whatever page and see if that prompts some thought. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah, isn't it? And photos are great and listening to podcasts or whatever. And some people might just listen with, okay, this is, this is, this and I hear what story. But, I'll, you know, there might be times where you said, yeah, that will trigger a few more thoughts depending on the state you're in as you're listening. And sometimes it might just be pure enjoyment. So you're just getting that out of it. But other times you'll be like, something will come out of left field and you'll go, hang on. What about that and that and that? Oh, oh my gosh. And then you'll put it together. So having a resource is really useful. And I kind of forget, thanks for reminding me, I do have these things. I got post-it notes with ideas on them and I keep stuff. And occasionally then I'll go through and go, no, I don't need that now. No, I don't need that. But other times I'll be like, oh yeah, glad I had that because I'm going to be working with someone today. And this is exactly something that's going to really be of use for them. So it can trigger thoughts and ideas and new patterns, which is that whole point of doing something different or going in the doodling just allows our brains and our bodies to rest for a moment. And it allows us to let those synapses fire in a different way as otherwise if we keep going and we're always kind of moving and being stimulated the brain doesn't do that and it cannot be creative like it can't so that's one of the big things that worries me is that this whole thing of we want people to be creative yet we don't create the environment at work for them to be creative or we say okay right you're going to be creative in the next 20 minutes go (laughs) I'm like okay Or there'll be things like, we're going to put a ping pong table in at work. That will help people be creative. And when I look at those, I think uh, it won't help me be creative. And I wish that sometimes there were discussions like, okay, for the people we have in the organization right now, with all your uniqueness and diversity, we would like you to think about what kind of conditions would help you be creative? And by the way, we're happy to use some organizational resources and money to maybe clear out a space and buy some things to put in that space. But to kind of just go, we're buying a ping pong table or putting out some bean bags that will help creativity. For me, misses the mark about well, what were those things representing? And you and I had been talking about, well, that ping pong table might help people shift gears. That might be you get to walk away from the computer and just be playful and play a game. Okay, if that's the problem the organization is trying to solve, what would help me is to leave the building and to walk down the street to the art gallery and or just to walk out on the street and do people watching. So can I do that instead of the ping pong game? With that, I think comes this sense of responsibility for self, knowing yourself. Like So it comes back to that creativity starts with knowing who you are and what actually is that thing for you and I kind of go that's where you know an organization could give lots of things but in the end it's up to the individual and it's up to the organization and how they're 
how they run things and meetings and all that sort of stuff. But in the end, it's really up to you to carve out time and know what's going to allow you to do that and also value it because let's face it, there's a lot of perception that if you're not doing something and being busy and productive, that you're not adding value or you're wasting time. And in actual fact, doing nothing can be one of the most valuable and highly productive things you can do for yourself. Which comes back to Csikszent Mihaly's traits for me. Like he talks about that it's both doing something and doing nothing. And I think that it's that kind of sitting with that tension. Do I know when to do nothing? And when do I know when to do something? And do I know that when I'm doing nothing, can I sit there and not think, oh, this is just procrastinating. There's something wrong with me. And it's like, and that links to that self-knowledge and a sense of, what is my inner voice saying? Where is my intuition and what is my body saying? If my body's saying, yeah, no, you need to get off your butt right now and make something, or maybe your trusted advisor, then okay. If that's what the inner voice is saying, not what other people are telling you, well, then maybe that's what's needed. But yeah. maybe conversely, it's also, need, no, 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 no. What you just need to do is chill. Chill, baby. Sit and do nothing and tune out those voices and create some open space for something new to emerge. Yeah, and with that now, you've just reminded me too, is making it a practice. So it's something that's done regularly. And I reckon there was a time in my junior consulting days that I remember doing this course on learning about presenting from artists, like performers. And so we, and it was at the adult education place in the city. There was an actor who was running it. And I went along and I've got to say that weekly half an hour of going and playing these creative games that they use for actors to sort of enable them to access their resources like quick smart. You can't think, you just do. You're straight into doing and responding and engaging with the people with, that you're with. And you would have played some of the games that they do, the yes and or blocks and the and the offers and all that sort of stuff and I've got to say I was really I never even noticed this at the time I went for one outcome to to learn some skills around presenting and having with confidence and I actually noticed in the four weeks that I did that I was fully creative at work I was coming up with ideas I was highly productive I was engaged I was excited oh yeah I was engaging and connecting and interacting so differently from a Wednesday night half an hour with a bunch of people playing all these theatre sports games that I would never play, right? Because I don't want to be an actor, right? So it comes back to that, I'm not creative, I wouldn't do that. And it was so phenomenal that in four weeks, I was like a different human being. And it was was terrific. It was really worthwhile. It also brings in a sense of... You don't have to see things directly. So like you said, I don't want to be an actor. That doesn't mean there's no value in learning some techniques from people who do acting and that sense of cross-fertilization. And it not might not be, okay, I'm going to bring acting skills to my presentation, as you said. You know, there may be an element of that, but there was some other deeper insights about being in that practice of maybe letting go or opening up. And I think those are things that are core to what people might consider their creative practice. Yeah, totally. My final question to you, is there somebody who you see around the world right now who you are admiring because they speak something about a creative message or creativity, whether that's directly because they are a person who you perceive as creating something or they speak to the topic of creativity? what comes to mind now given all our conversation is maybe something I I read in Elizabeth Gilbert's book Big Magic what she kind of sort of brought out was that you just keep doing with creativity it's not like it's got to be perfect the first time you just keep having a go having a go having a go if you're doing something that you want to sell or or um make as a create you know a final art piece or story or whatever and I think it is that part of you keep going you keep doing and you might review and you know refresh on that sort of stuff but it is that it's the work under the work it's the practice it's a practice I think that's the word it's a practice and I recently finished 
Osher Ginsberg's book, which happened to be in the op shop. And I don't know why I picked it up, but that's kind of going with your intuition sometimes. Sometimes something's there. New connection. Yep, and you go. And I've got to say, he's someone who worked so, you would never know, but his stories, he worked so hard. It was the practice, 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 practice. So he could be in that moment and deliver with clarity, with confidence, right through to millions of audiences. And he goes, there were so many times in my career, I turned up and I did a crap job. Like, you know, I wasn't great and wasn't good. That was all those days of showing up, having a go, having a go, having a go, practice, practice, practice. And, you know, there's value in that. And I have to remind myself too, Helen, I do this all the time. Well, no, don't do it all the time. That's like a big normalisation. But I, I sometimes do that thing where I go, oh, I had it once, it's not perfect, it's so sloppy in some bits and this and that, and then I'm going to have to go, come on, what's the purpose of this? You know, this is your first time doing it. Remember, there were plenty of times that you had to work at it a little bit, play with it a bit, which is the case. You know, the line down the side won't be perfect. It's okay, I don't have to tweak it. You know, I can put it down and move on. I've recently read Elizabeth Gilbert's book, Big Magic, which is why I can tell you the title. And there were some key takeaways from me on that and also the podcasts that are related to the series. And there's a couple of ideas that really have come out for me. And one is the sense of that showing up, that just keeps showing up, that if this is what you want to do, whether you feel compelled or called to do it or there's an element in you that wants to express yourself, do not wait for permission. Do not wait to be asked. Show up and put it out there. And you're putting it out there is a unique version of you that doesn't exist in the world. So on one level, you can kind of go, this is my art. This is my creative part. And for her, there's a sense of, she talks about having a legacy of leaving a handprint on the world. And for some people, it might just be, I want the world to know that I was here. It might be that my work only, whatever you consider that work, whether that's a, a piece of art or a something you made that's concrete or abstract that you have put something in the world that is left behind beyond you and whether that's an idea in a person's head or a relationship there are many ways that you can do that and I love that sense of an intention that there is something in with within me that may need a form of expression and it's my job in living a creative life to allow that expression to come out and not have it hampered by fear or what other people are saying. Another aspect that I loved, because she's very much on the message of being kind to yourself and different ways that you might kind of take away some of those voices and judgment. And she talks about that nothing is ever wasted. And so rather than thinking, oh, if I made the right decision, I went to the right class, if I followed that practice or that process perfectly, of course, then something good would have happened. And I think there's an element of creativity and okay, so uh, that happened. Okay, do I want to learn from it? Maybe not. Um, it is what it is. Or actually, I've learned, you know, to the famous quote by Edison, I've learned 999 ways not to make a light bulb. Well, okay. And so all of those things that you do that you might feel were not creative have the potential to be some kind of raw material for something, whether it's a story to tell somebody later on or an insight where like, yep, I learned that I really don't like chili or that I'm not a good cook. Which is not to say that, oh, my job is to be a perfect cook. My job was to show up and go, why don't I give cooking a try? I gave it a try. Did I want to go to cooking school and put all my eggs in the basket? Or did I want to treat this just a little bit like a hobby, that it's just for me, it doesn't have to cross over into my work? And so I found that a really powerful idea as well. Nothing is ever wasted if I choose to see it that way. And the third one that has struck me quite strongly is the idea that Ideas are not necessarily in me, they're in the world and they're floating around and there might be a moment where me and whatever I'm thinking and feeling meets with that idea and I can treat that as an invitation. Would I like to do something with this idea? And I get to have some sovereignty, which is a key message of Self Unlimited and go, uh, not today, thank you, uh, tired, uh, worn down, don't have enough energy, don't have enough heart space, not for me. Or, ooh, ooh, yes. In which case, 
you know, I might do something with it. I might do a little something with it. I might do a big something with it. And if I do nothing with it, that idea could very well move on to somebody else. So, you know, know that that's a consequence rather than thinking later on, oh, that person stole my idea or, you know, there's nothing new in the world. And so there's, it's an interesting way whether you believe it or not. And she has some compelling stories about how this actually happened to her. But I do find it quite liberating to think ideas are floating out there in the world and I might need to be simply open to them and meet that moment. And that at any time in my life, if I learnt nothing more from now on, I am enough with what I have now to make or create something. And of course, there will be some people, and I think of my family and people who have known me from early days in my life will go, well, of course, Helen, you've done all of these things. But sometimes I think internally, we can hold a very different narrative like, oh, if I learn this, or I go to that class, or I get those tools, then I will be able to create. And I think there's something really nice to kind of go, if I learnt nothing more, if I received no more tools or resources in the world, I actually am capable of creating something today. So will I show up for that moment and express myself in some way? I think that's well said. I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> so do you have a closing thought for people that we might leave them with on the subject of creativity? A couple of things. It doesn't take very much just sit back, relax a little bit and go explore and have a little bit of fun. Who knows where it will take you. And maybe as is evident by this conversation, find some people who you can have this kind of conversation with because Danny and I are able to have this kind of conversation because there's been many others of these kinds of conversations and they have existed in ways where we've been walking out on the roads or having coffee or maybe we have been to a movie or a concert or something together but there are other moments and times that have enabled a kind of relationship and a support system that when I'm thinking oh I've got an idea I want to kind of play around with it or workshop one of the first people on my list is I'm going to call Danny and ask her what she thinks of this or whether she'll riff with it so from my point of view thank you for being part of my workscape village as somebody who I'd put against it the hashtag creative Oh, thank you, Helen. And thank you, because you're right. It is a dual carriageway <laughs> between us. And it's one of those joys of being able to help each other out and play with, with ideas. And nicely reinforcing. So to anybody listening, let me leave you this thought. Go find somebody in your circle who you admire or you think is creative and see what you might do, even if it's to start workshopping your own ideas of what your creative practice might be. And I'd love to hear from people as to what they did with that. Yes, and I will throw on it. When you do that, be mindful of listening and being open to what you hear and playing with what gets popped in the pool right in front of you. I think too many times people will go, oh, no, it's not that, it's not this. But part of our conversations are coming without any expectations of what ends up being in front of us that we play with. So, yeah, enjoy. I can't wait to hear from everyone and how that goes. Brilliant. Thanks, Danny, for another great conversation. Oh, thanks, Helen. Always, always a pleasure. Workscapes are changing everywhere. For more goodness to change your workscape, visit www.beselfunlimited.com 